Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. We're glad you're journeying with us, and we hope that you find value from the teachings. If you'd like to connect or support the mission of Grace and Peace Church, check us out at graceandpeacechurch.org or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Grace and Peace. We're here to posture ourselves around Jesus, not cookies, uh, but we are going to talk about cookies this morning, uh, whether you like those ones or not. Um, the, uh, the point of us coming together to worship, to study, as we get into God's word, is continually centering around like what is life-giving about Jesus, and what is life-giving about faith, what is life-giving about what we claim as the Christian walk. And so we're going to dig into that together, we're going to have that time. Um, but first I want to hit on a couple announcements. Um, so uh, the digital bulletin has a connect card connected to it as well, and that's how we connect. I know that seems weird um, and comes as a surprise, but uh, that's how we connect. And if you have prayer requests, if there's something while we're talking, while we're studying together, whatever, um, if there's a prayer request that comes up, that's a space to drop it in. Um, so I just encourage you just to like pull that thing up, fill it out and drop it to us. And, uh, it's yeah, good thing. So one of the things we are doing today is we're celebrating with Oscar because he's been doing awesome stuff. Come on up. Oscar runs lived experiences and lived experiences. Um, I'm going to actually talk about it in my sermon. So he, he, he's going to miss out on it, but, um, how we met and all that stuff. But, um, Oscar's a legend when it comes to uh, us being able to partner with him and support him and help him a little bit. And um, so we're grateful to have him here. So he wants to come and just share a little bit. So I'm going to hand the mic to you since I don't have one. <laughs> Thank you, Nate. Best intro ever. <laughs> Dude, Samoa's bomb. Yeah. Oh. Uh, good morning. Buenos dias. All right, so everywhere I go, I like to like hear my name out loud. So in the count of three, I just want to hear, I love Oscar. So one, two, three. I love it. Now, I love tacos. One, two, three. I love tacos. Yes, taco day. Taco day. Uh, so real quick, I won't take too much of your time, but yes, having tacos today, that's the best way I can show my love back to you guys. I love to eat, hence the stomach. It's a six-pack underneath the six-pack of tacos. But um, so real quick, it is the weekend of love, I think. But tomorrow's Valentine's, so love, peace, tranquility. And uh, if you don't mind sharing maybe my little side of the story, how we met, it was randomly. And so maybe four years ago, five years ago, uh, Nate, three, Nate was passing out food in my, in my community, in my hood, in our resource center, uh, and uh, along with some other pilks, and, and I was there giving out clothes, I think it was, or so, maybe one of those times. And something happened, uh, maybe we, then I was walking the beach one time, years later, and he was checking out the serve, and I was just walking behind him, and I'm like, what's up? He looked back, he's like, I think I know you. And I'm like, I think I know you too. We had a quick conversation about what we're doing. Nate, Nate being Nate, he's super interested in me because I'm super sexy, I think I was, and the waves, everything. I just think so, the six pack. He's like, this guy thinks, I think he's tacos. I like tacos. And so um, somehow, somewhere, I, uh, I, I was looking for space because we lost space. Three years ago when we opened up our youth center, uh, we lost it because of COVID. And I was looking for space because I was giving out pet food myself. And I, I found out where he was going. I think at the time I, was, I met just, I met him too. And, and I asked Nate and Tim to sit down together and work something out. But anyhow, I'm sharing this because of the importance of Nate in collaboration with Tim and the church and all you guys. Um, 
And that's why I wanted to bring tacos because um, ever since, I know it's supposed to be quick, I'm sorry, Nate. Uh, <laughs> so what happens when you give me the mic, bro? Um, ever since, uh, we were, when we were doing food back then, I was doing tortas, tacos, small little thing, but ever since we hooked up, and because of Nate's and you guys' love and, and collaboration and, and donations and time to come out and volunteer, we've done close to a million pounds of food. Now, yeah, big whoops, come on, let's do it. Big whoops, yes. Now, that matters because we don't do any canned food, right? Like most, most of the food that we do is perishables or beans, rice, stuff that I would eat. If I did, my people would eat it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not gonna throw anything away. Except the bad stuff, Randy, don't, don't share that right now. Um, but that's a big deal because we're talking about trauma, we're talking about emotional literacy. When you give me something that I grew up with, it brings back my joy, my happiness. And because of the love and, and dedication, and even the time that you have given me, Nate, I want to share that, that you're my love this weekend, bro. You're my Valentine, brother, without even knowing it. <laughs> but I want to say thank you guys. Thank you all you guys, Carissa, Paul, all you guys who are behind, uh, behind the scenes. So I just wanted to share that. That's how important you guys are. So thank you very much. And tacos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what? You guys don't know? Oh, my God. I'm over here talking like people know me, like I'm a superstar or whatever. God. Way to embarrass myself. Um, and I'm just joking. Uh, so, okay, so, so there's a lot of things happening. Outside, you see a bunch of vehicles. One of them, it's a mobile laundromat. We bought this old school trailer. We put four washers, four dryers, and Randy has come out with me, and we try to share some love, right? If you wear clean clothes, it brings back a little bit of dignity into you, some freshness, like, oh, yeah, I feel good, right? Even if it's old, dirty, wash it. It feels good. So we do that once a week, once every other week in Carlsbad right now, but we're bringing it back to Maricosta maybe soon, so hopefully we get to do some more outreach with that. We have this big truck outside. We're doing a mobile, uh, mobile distributions. We do three spots right now. Libby Lake, Crown Heights, and Pozole, three times a week, or once a week each site. And then right now, I have another trailer out there, and it's, I'm building it right now, and it's gonna be a media lab. I'm gonna put podcasts, movie production, cameras, uh, anything for photography, and teach kids how to use electronics. And above, the, above all, I like to give hugs and kisses, so I'm a professional hugger. If you guys feel down, call me. They're free. Just pay for my gas. Paul, I know I got you on my schedule. Uh, other than that, uh, yeah, my website. Please share my website. And uh, again, thank you. Sorry, I'm rushing. I got to go work a little bit. <laughs> I'm grateful for you, brother. Appreciate you. Yeah, we're, we're grateful that he lets us tag along and partner with what he's doing, and it's awesome. And so that's him just coming and saying thank you. So after the service, tacos, unlimited, go do your thing, enjoy them, um, and, uh, and support that. So it's good. Thank you guys for what you're doing there. All right. So we are in our series where we're, we're calling this Walk With Me, and we're walking with Jesus through the Gospel of Mark, and how Jesus walked with his disciples, and how he journeyed through um, through life with them, taught them, experienced um, highs and lows with them, showed them how to live life as a follower of Jesus, um, and what it means to be a disciple in everyday life. And so what we're doing is we're just going through, and we're taking it thought by thought, and so we're in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. If you have your Bibles, if you don't, it's going to be on the screen. You can track with us on there. And um, and yeah, is, we're just going to read it. Uh, this is the feeding of the 5,000, just to kind of set the stage here of where we're going with it. And um, we're going to draw some conclusions. We're going to talk about cookies. We're going to get in some conversation. It's good. So, 
Uh, let me start out verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. So this is previously Jesus sent them out two by two, take nothing with you, live simply, but go and share the gospel. And we talked about that. Um, and so now there's a debrief. And it's interesting what happens here is like, this is how Jesus does it. He said, then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and let's get some rest. So initial observation, which we're not going to focus on, is just that after a lot of ministry going on, uh, Jesus' first response is, let's get away and let's debrief and let's have some time of rest um, and, and recharge, right? Um, so there, I think that's a good reminder for us sometimes. We think that we always need to be on, we always need to be pushing forward, but there needs to be times where we our cup is filled so that we can pour out, right? So just, just a little side note. Um, and he goes on in verse 32. So they went away by themselves, and this is where the shift happens, and a wrench is thrown in the mix. So, by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but, this is the turn, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So this little shift happens here where they're like trying to get away, trying to have some peace and quiet, trying to like re-energize and get ready for the next thing, um, the next ministry that they're going to like be a part of. And Jesus sees the need and shifts it and says, okay, no, we're going to, we're going to keep teaching. Like people are hungry. People are hungry for what they've heard already. And they're just digging in for more. They're leaning in. So let's take, take the opportunity. So goes on. Um, By this time it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. You do it. You feed them. They said to him, what would take, or that would almost take a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave... uh, Then he gave them to his disciples and set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. So feeding of the 5,000. Jesus sees their hunger and matches it. We're going to have a conversation. So turn to somebody next to you. And what I want you to talk about is the hunger that exists in us. Um, There's clearly a hunger that these people had physically and also spiritually, right? Because they came and they're like, we're going to walk. They saw the boat move and they're like, we're just going to, we're going to intersect this, this boat. And we're going to like keep hearing more from this Jesus. Like they are not taking a break. Um, And, and so there's a hunger, right? So what I want you to do is talk with whoever's next to you is 
What is hunger? I know that's vague, but what is hunger? Like, how would you define hunger? Go for it. Meet someone next to you. Say hi to them. Get to know their name. What? What's your name? They're stealing my words. I'm hearing some good words being thrown around. All right. Hopefully you guys have a bit of an idea now. Discussing it. Spark something in your mind. Hunger. If I open these cookies up and start eating them, I bet I could make you guys hungry. Or at least you'll start thinking about some other food and go, oh, wait, I like the Samoas better. Those are great. And I'm glad Nate likes the thin mints that are frozen from his freezer. But I prefer the whatever, lemon, just name off whatever kind of cookie you like. Um, oh, yeah, there we go. Um, now we're talking. Um, the box? Oh, we need to talk about that. Because we need to brag on ourselves a little bit, don't we? We found three full boxes of Girl Scout cookies after church last week, sitting in the parking lot. What would you do? (laughs) No. We took them and hid them in a safe spot so that whoever left them would come back and go, whoops, we lost three boxes. But we had a little moment. We confessed to each other that we're not going to steal the three boxes. And it wasn't three boxes, it was like the boxes that these all stack in. I was like, that's like hundreds, yeah, cases of, it wasn't my flavor necessarily, but I wouldn't turn them down. I, I'm, I'm a fan of cookies either way. But now I hopefully I've um, got you salivating and thinking about some cookies, thinking about some food, the fact that tacos are waiting for us after service. There's a lot of food happening right now, right? So we can picture a little bit of what's happening, and I'm glad this verse came up or this passage came up. Um, Spirit has his way. Um, but the idea of hunger is on display in a couple elements in this passage, right? The spiritual hunger, the physical hunger. And, um, and to take this a step further, because I heard you guys use this word a little bit in describing what hunger is and what it looks like. Um, I heard somebody say the word desire. Um, hunger can, can be defined as desiring something, right? So we hunger after food because it does what? Fills our, it nourishes our body. It keeps us alive. It makes my stomach full, but it also makes me happy and content, right? Because it tastes delicious. There's little elements to that. Um, but we hunger for other things, don't we? Not just food. Those are the things we hunger for. So the word desire can maybe be a a bigger definition for it. And um, we desire all kinds of things. But what we see here is that people were desiring. They were hungering after Jesus. And and I began to ask myself this question as I was studying this. Do I hunger? Do I desire Jesus the same way that they were desiring it? And I want to just throw that to you guys. Not in a way to call you out or for you to like, put yourself on a scale of one to 10 of where you're at on that. But 
do we hunger after Jesus? Do we hunger after him the same way that this crowd was? And there was a lot of people. So, so he had to have said some things. He had to have done some things that intrigued them enough to leave whatever they were doing that day to go after Jesus and want to hear more. And I, I question, do I hunger that same way? Uh, the life of a Christian is marked by this desire. Um, that is a defining mark of a disciple, of a follower of Jesus. And I believe Mark threw that in here for a reason, that if we don't have hunger for Jesus, then there's something missing in that. And that if we hunger and desire after God's, not just his heart, but to do his will, not just to go, yeah, that's cool. I like loving people. That's a good truth, right? And I love what Matt was talking about with sin is like recognizing the destructive patterns that exist in our world as a result of sin and going, yeah, I want to be part of what Jesus is doing to begin to change all of that, right? Um, so we desire that as Christians. That is something that we should want on a regular basis is to see that shift in our lives as well as in our communities. And that's what I love about uh, Oscar's heart and what he's doing is that he has a desire to live that out. Like he's all hands and feet. He's like, I just want to live this. Um, and I think we all are in somewhere in that spectrum of like either we're like very head knowledge with Jesus or we're like, I don't want to talk about it. I just want to go do it. I want to live this. Like some people are like, let's just live this thing. Let's be loving. Um, but we kind of have to have both. We have to think about our theology and we also have to live out our theology, right? This has to be practical as much as it is theory. And so what we see Jesus do here is he engages the people. And then we also see that there's a feeding a physical feeding that takes place. And, um, but I think I want to, I want to like hit on this hunger thing a little bit more. You see it in Psalm one. Uh, we'll throw that one on the screen, uh, because I think it captures this, this heart of hunger a little bit more. Um, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. And again, that's like recognizing that there's a way to walk. We can walk in step with what's destructive or we can walk with what's good. Um, in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take. Again, it's that like choosing the paths, right? Or sit in the company of mockers, um, choosing where you sit. Where does your, your desire lie? Where does your hunger lie? But those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And Matt mentioned this as well, that like we're not after this for like more money, um, more physical contentment, whatever it is, like all these like worldly things. We're after this because we know that it's ultimately good for us in a very contentment kind of a perspective. And also like this is going to change the world that we live in. And so hungering after it, like really desiring God's heart, it says it's scripture talks about over and over. There will be you'll be prosperous. And prosperous in a way that brings, again, that contentment, that joy, that it supersedes circumstances, supersedes what's going on um, around us. And so I just feel like there's this, there's this invitation that we continually see uh, Mark bringing of like a decision between like, what do we hunger for? What are we desiring? What are we chasing after? And Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. He says, blessed are those who hunger for and thirst for righteousness. Right, the righteousness of God, the desire, the way of God, the will of God. Um, 
We need a hunger for that, thirst for it, really just chase after it, desire it. And it says, this is the key part, for they will be filled, right? And that word filled, when we talk about being filled, think about physically, like when you've eaten a great meal, or you had a stack of cookies, that like, oh, I'm so I'm satisfied, I'm content, um, sustained, right? Not just in cookies, those probably don't sustain us. <laughs> but if you eat a good meal and you feel sustained, you feel like, like, I don't know if you've ever done this where like you just skip lunch because you're so busy or whatever. And then you eat a meal and you go, I suddenly feel better. Like I'm not angry at the world anymore. And <laughs> like, I, just, I needed that. Right. And there's this, there's a sustaining element to it. And I think that that's what that gets at what Jesus is talking there. Like when we hunger and thirst after righteousness, you'll be filled. You'll have a sense of this is the way that God desires for us to live where he calls us, the, the path that he, he calls us to live into. And so um, I think just the big picture is just that Jesus invites us into this, this way of life that we have a choice to live into, right? And, and as you see it more and more, um, there's a clear two different paths. There's, a, there's a one that leads to destruction, right? And one that leads to life. And that's what he's inviting us into to continually live into that. And so we have this scenario um, let's talk about the food part of it, uh, the feeding part of it, um, where the disciples are like, we don't know what to do with this. There's a lot of people and we should probably send them away. Right. The logical response is send them back to like the local villages and just tell them just to go get pick up their own in and out. OK, like we'll do our thing. They'll do their thing. We're not going to pay for it. But Jesus is like, no, you feed them. Right. Like his response is you feed them. And what would your response be if 5,000 people pulled up in our parking lot right now and we're like, we need to feed them? Logically, your brain goes straight to, that doesn't work. Like, we don't have that many tacos. Like, we're going to have to pull some resources, right? We might have to, like, get some people, like, some big donors to give some money, you know? Like, maybe we can go get someone's bank account close by and just drain it and cover the food, you know? Like, their response initially was, like, that's a half a year's wages, Right. And so like put that into perspective. Like if I told you take half of your year's wages right now and feed some people, what's your response? Logically. Right. No, no. Like we're, we're just that's not happening. And that's their response. And so we can relate to that. I can relate to that. Like I'm not claiming that I'd be like, yeah, do what Jesus says. You know, like I do that on a regular basis where I'm like, logically, I don't know how that's going to happen. And you probably face things like that. Like we do all the time. A decision comes up. How do I handle it? A decision that seems impossible to solve, how do you handle it? You don't have to say it out loud, but let it think, let it process, let it marinate a little bit. Let's think on it. Process the thing that's super difficult to solve. Like think about the thing right now in your life right now where you're like, that's really difficult. I'm not sure how that's going to work out in my life. That's going to take a lot of bank accounts or that's going to take a lot of people. That's going to take a lot of resources. That's going to take a miracle. I don't know. I don't know what that's, how that's going to work. But Jesus says, you do it. Like, <laughs> he puts it on them. And they're just like, they had to have been shrugging their shoulders going, he's crazy. Like, how do we do it? And again, the logical part of us says, solve it a certain way. Jesus did exactly what they didn't plan for, right? Did something that they didn't plan for. Like 
didn't work out in the way that they had hoped. Their way was like reason, logic, solve it that way. Factually, it didn't add up, but Jesus did something through that and solved the problem in a way that they didn't expect it to be resolved. I think, I know, in my life, there's been areas where I didn't know how a very impossible scenario would resolve and ended up being resolved in a way that I didn't logically think it would resolve, but it resolved. Have you ever been there? Maybe you've done that. So I'll use this church plan as an example. God put it in my heart to plan a church. Didn't know how that would happen. Didn't know how we'd have the resources to do that. Never pictured this, like us sitting here as we are, studying scripture together in the way that we do. Um, and serving in the local community the way that we do. Like, I love all that stuff. Like, it's just amazing. Like, that, that fuels, like, the dream that God put in my heart. And I just love that. But I initially was like, how do we do that? You know, like, there's not enough finances. There's not enough, all these different reasons. Like, we don't have a building. We don't have, and I remember first initially going, like, I don't know if that's not, like, my thing, guy. Like, I don't know how I could do that. And then we started having some discussions. I started talking with some people that I trusted, um, people that I knew cared about God's will more than logic, reason, finances, all that kind of stuff. And they said, yeah, if that's what God's put on your heart, like I, I think God does miracles, right? Like he does those sort of things. He does the thing that we don't think is possible. And we started stepping into it and God gave me this vision of like being bivocational, like having two jobs, like that could make this sort of thing happen. And I was like, really? Like most churches don't do that. And he's like, well, is that do you have to be like most churches, you know? And I even get like, sometimes like I have Satan, like give me doubts of like, are you successful if you have two jobs? Like, are other people going to look at your job as like, you're not a real pastor because you don't have a full-time pastoral job. And I'm like, no, actually the heart that God put on my life was that you can now minister to the community because of your job. And so like, I have to continually remind myself of like, the reason I have another job is not just so like I can pay bills and make sure that like we can function as a church like this, but so that we can minister in the community. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that seems crazy, but I'm going to do it and I'm going to press into it. And it's worked. And like, we're at this point where like, we're now seven years into this. Right. And it's like, it's happening. And so when I think of impossible things, God does them. And he like, he changes our, our thinking and our understanding. And sometimes like what we think is logical and the way that you approach things and twists it and goes, no, I got another way to do this. You can do it. And it's, and it's happening. Right. And so I would just say like the thing that you face right now, where you think is impossible. We even said like, we should start a food distribution. And that conversation with Oscar was a God thing where like, I literally was sitting, I was he, he thought I was just checking the waves. Well, maybe I was just checking the waves. But I was like praying through, like, how do we have an opportunity? Because the food distribution got shut down. I was like, how do we have this opportunity to, like, partner with somebody in the community and not, like, restart something else? Because we don't have all the manpower to do all that. And suddenly he walked up and I was like, I know you from somewhere. Isn't you, like, you're Oscar. Right? Like, I met you at the thing. And suddenly God brought together a relationship and a partnership that I would have never pictured that happening. You know, and I would have never pictured like the way that that unfold, would unfold and the relationships that have developed now over the years because of that. Um, it's just the impossible tasks that we face. God works through those things. And how many pounds of food did he say? Right. Like 
that's like, we're talking about five, feeding 500 people right here. Like, and that seemed impossible to me to find a way to do a food distribution. And now he's like feeding, f- how much was it again? One million. Like, come on. You know, like, that's like a feeding of the 5,000 kind of a thing where it's like, I don't know how you feed, how do you get a million pounds of food out? But you guys helped make that happen, and he made that happen, and a bunch of other people that said, we don't know how, but let's get together, and God will do something, and God's been doing something through that. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, impossible tasks, like, God, God does things through that that don't necessarily fit our criteria for logical thinking, logical ways of solving problems, and he does amazing things through that. And so um, I want to give you like three basic things and then we'll just close in prayer and go eat tacos. But three basic ways to like engage, I think, the, the impossible tasks that we face. Okay, so here we go. How do we step into like in obedience in those seemingly impossible tasks? The first thing I would say is prayer. Like we have to be praying. And I know that sounds like a cliche church answer to be like, yeah, we got to pray. We do need to pray. We do need to ask God, how are you going to solve this? I, I have, my thought says we need $5,000, we need enough money, we need enough blah, 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 people to feed all these people. Whatever it is, like, God's like, God has an answer, God has a way, and it might not be your way, it might, it might not be the way you imagine it, but we have to pray and we have to seek his heart because he might do something completely different. And then going back to last week, which is just another pitch to go back to last week's message and listen to that, not my podcast, but the podcast I reference in there. So now you have to dig. Um, but asset framing versus deficit framing. And you can picture that in this passage, right? The disciples were like deficit framing. We don't have, we don't, we can't. There's no way. It's impossible. But Jesus is like asset framing. What do you have? Five loaves, two fish. That seems impossible, but let's work with that. So it's asset framing, looking at what you have and then going, what can we do? I have skills to be bivocational. Why not do that, right? Like, why not dig into that? So I'm just like, what do you have? And begin to step into that and begin to move and move forward with it. And then the third thing I would say is faithful, trustworthy friends, And what do I mean by that is who are people that you can talk to about your scenario that you think is impossible that aren't just going to come at it from a very uh, logical finance um, resource perspective, because that's not always the answer, right? Like our logical brain again says like, we can't feed 5,000 people. We can't do that kind of stuff. But what Jesus says is like, I have a heart to do some things like really get at the core of it and we'll find a way to do it. We'll make it happen. Right. And so I say like, find people that you can trust in having a conversation with about, Hey, God's put this task on my heart. I don't know how to solve it. I don't know how to figure it out, but can you help me in this? Can we pray together? Can we talk about it? Can we just begin to have this discussion like just between us for now and we'll see where it goes and then trust that God's going to do something through it. Right. Like that. Maybe it shuts a door, maybe opens a door in a different way, but you have to do it with people that, understand that God does impossible things and will dream with you and say, yeah, that's, that sounds like a God thing that he'll do something crazy in the middle of it. And so those are kind of three things that like I've found are really helpful in, in helping me understand some things. And I, I always forget, you know, like I forget to do some of these things and I forget, but we really, if we have that mindset and that posture, I believe that God will use us because what he does here is he doesn't just do it himself. He tells the disciples to do it and he partners with us in it. And so we all get to be participants in this. And so 
Um, again, going back to the question, how do you respond when God calls you to do impossible tasks? Step into it in these areas and step into it and see how God might do it, how he might change it. Um, it might take years. This isn't something that might, that isn't always just going to happen in the same day. Um, there might be patience involved in it. I don't know, but, um, but let's be that kind of community. Let's be those kind of people, right? So let me pray. Lord, thank you for, um, I think being the God that's bigger than our scenarios, our circumstances, the situations that we think are impossible, Lord, thank you that we can come to you in prayer with these things, with these concerns, with these impossible tasks, um, the, the scenarios that we find ourselves in. And every single one of us in this room finds ourselves in a different impossible scenario that we think is crazy. Um, but Lord, I know that you and your Holy Spirit are right here with us. You're with us throughout the week. You never forsake us. You journey with us in these things. And so help us to turn our attention, our hunger towards you, that we seek you in these things, um, that we hunger and thirst for your will and not our own. And so help us to, um, to sit at your feet and listen and hear where you're leading us in these, these things that you call us to and invite us into. So we love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Um, again, if you guys have any questions about this sort of thing, or if there's an impossible task before you that you need people around you that, to be praying for you, um, write it on the Connect card or fill it out on, like sometime this week. You don't have to do it right now um, on the digital bulletin or the digital Connect card. And just we want to be praying for you in those things, even if it's just like a one-word thing that you're wrestling with. Like We'll pray for it. Um, the Holy Spirit knows that. God's bigger than that. And let's pray over it, right? Um, let's be that kind of community that doesn't just talk about these things and says, yeah, go pray. And then we all separate and do it somewhere else. Well, let's, let's pray together. Um, so if you need those things, reach out. Let me pray. Uh, let me uh, read our blessing over us. Rejoice in knowing that we never walk alone. Know the grace and peace of Christ walking beside us. And that he's guiding and protecting us. Share this comfort with one another and feel his presence each moment of each day. So let's go... Uh, Eat some tacos. Um, tell Oscar thank you, how awesome he is, and how much we appreciate him. And uh, let's party.